For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Broadcasting from the Andy Up Studios, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, October 6th. Welcome to the Annie Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode is a winning experience. I'm your host, Joe Scales, and I'm excited to get this episode going. The magazine went live on Tuesday, and it is packed with content. I'm really proud of the growth we've seen in the magazine. We've seen growth not only in the number of people reading the magazine, but also our writers continue to grow, which is awesome. Speaking of that, though, if you guys have any questions for the Ask the Chainsaw section of the magazine with Alan Kessler, send those to me at podcast at com. That section of the magazine has been a lot of fun, and the questions have been really good, so keep those coming. If you haven't already, be sure to check the issue out. You can get to it from the website, anyupmagazine.com, and just click on Magazine. If you want it to be sent to your email, though, just submit the form from the website or right there in the magazine itself. I have some new Patreon members I want to give a shout-out to. Libro Q, Frank Ramsey, Vincent Ferrigno, who I think also had a call to the floor last week, if I'm not mistaken, and Cajun Joe, who was the runner-up in the Patreon private game on PokerStars. He played really well. The big hand that changed everything was Pocket Queens for Cajun Joe and Pocket Aces for Chicago Joe. Then, just for a little insult to injury, an ace came on the flop as well. It was tough, but Cajun Joe, you played really, really well. Eventually, as the game grows, we'll award prizes for more than just first place. So if you haven't joined, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash poker and join us in the $10 level. We've done a giveaway for members. Now we've had our first Patreon member private game, and I have another perk for you guys that want to join us on the cruise. We mentioned last week the cruises are back, so mark your calendars for October 14th through the 18th in 2024. And if you're a member of our Patreon page you'll get a discount on the cruise. Here's the basic pricing. An inside room is $374.99. Now, if you plan to play our main event, then it's $500. So the total price would be $874.99. An ocean view room is $424.49. So with the main event, $974.49. And a balcony room is $549.09. So with the main event, it's $1,049.09. None of those include taxes and fees, but here's the kicker. If you're a Patreon member, you'll get a $25 discount on an inside room, $35 discount on the ocean view room, and a $50 discount on the balcony room. That means 
If you're a Patreon member and want a balcony room with the main event, it's less than $1,000 before taxes and fees. I didn't include those in the pricing because they can change. But if you want some kind of estimate for those, as of right now, taxes and fees would be $158.65. So there's a baseline for you to go from. I know I threw a lot of pricing information at you guys on the cruise. We're in the process of getting all that on the website. So stay tuned. We're looking forward to seeing you guys on the cruise. And I fully expect that this thing is going to sell fast. So get ready. If you want to reserve a spot now, you can. The Annie Up Cruise travel partner is Village Cruise and Travel, and they can be reached at 773-233-6580. That's all I have, so let's get on with the show. This week's Table Talk sponsor is Manscaped. Ladies, autumn is here, and if you haven't already told the man in your life, it is fresh face fall. And nobody else can give his face the love it needs other than our friends over at Manscaped. The folks who changed below his belt are here to help with their brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver. It's designed to give his face that smooth finish without all that mess of a wet shave. It's the perfect tool for men with all beard lengths. So whether he's lining up his neckline or... Taking it all off to feel that fresh autumn breeze, make sure he joins the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and insert AnnieUp20 for 20% off and free shipping. Don't be a bad apple this year. Choose Manscaped. Did you know that for men, being able to shave up to three days growth without mess of a wet shave is priceless? The Handyman Skin Safe technology is there to help reduce nicks, cuts, and he can finally feel confident when he's going for that close shave. Their signature beard hedger, it's a cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting links with one guard. No more messy drawers full of those extra add-on pieces. Did you hear that? No more messy drawers, ladies. The Beard Hedger, it's a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AnnieUp20 at manscaped.com. You heard it. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AnnieUp20. It's time for him to hit the refresh button with the handyman. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We are back around the poker table with L. How are you? I'm great this Friday. How are you? I'm good. We've got... A short table talk this week because we've got some special guests that I'm going to be talking to. So we've got to get a lot of information in a short amount of time. I can do that. <laughs> Gareth James and Byron Jacobs are the ones that I'm going to be talking to later on. They Some people may know Gareth. Uh, he's a poker pro and a coach, but he wrote a book called Final Table. And Byron Jacobs is with DMB Poker, which is published I don't know, something like 50 poker books over the years. So oh, cool. And I mean, it's an awesome book filled with great examples and mathematical reasons why you make certain moves. 
at different points at the final table. So it's it's really cool. I need that help. Yeah. <laughs> and Phil Helmuth wrote the foreword for the book too. So Oh, good old Phil. <laughs> you know, I I love to keep up with him on social media because he's such a frequent poster. And actually, do you mind if I play one of the most recent ones I saw this week? Sure. Let me see if I can get it to come through. I have pocket kings. Lines are 100-200. First player, 1,400 to go. Under the gun, someone makes it 4,000 to go. I make it 10,000 to go with kings. Gets back to my friend. I respect him a lot. He makes it 40,000. No hesitation. Bam! Whoa! 40,000 chips. I said, oh my God, he has to have aces. I folded the kings within one second. <laughs> Just snap. I don't think I've ever snapped folded kings in my life. One second, he, he folded pocket kings, and I was like, one second? You didn't even think about that? I would have had to at least given it a couple more. <laughs> I mean, you know me, it'd have been like, I mean, by a couple, I mean 30 more seconds at least to say, all right, is he just messing with me? Right. Like, what is going on here? He, he. I mean, quadrupled the pot, like, bang. Yeah. And that's not surprising, really, that Phil Helmuth had to tell everybody about his his... <laughs> Perfect fold, or in his eyes, perfect fold. No, you know, I just, I always preface that with, I I pay close attention to him because he posts so much on social media. That really caught my attention this week, especially since we just had our first Patreon tournament last night or game online. Holy, holy Toledo. Online poker is faster. Did you fold Pocket Kings? No! <laughs> I was playing against Bob Popper. Of course I didn't fold <laughs> But, you know, way to go, Cajun Joe and uh, Chicago Joe. We actually had, it's funny, we had two Joes at the end. And um, and I was not one of them. <laughs> sorry to hear not that, one of the Joes. Sorry to hear that, honey. <laughs> you know... But I will say it was really fun and online poker is much faster. I mean, we've played with family. I don't play a lot of online poker. I'd rather play in person, but it was. It is fast. It, it is very fast, but I learned. I learned a lot. I was, of course, first one out, but that's okay. Um, we had a great time and I'm hoping our game is just going to continue to grow each month. The more Patreon team members that we have. So um, great yeah. job to both Joe's and Chicago Joe is going to be receiving a $50 Amazon gift card. And uh, we need to call him and get his size for his Annie up hoodie. Because I got it. I got oh, it. Fantastic. So yep. that'll be in the mail to you this week. So yeah. I, I, I was very transparent in saying I was the first one knocked out, but there was also a bounty on Joe's head and Annie up t-shirt. Todd Lemansky got it. Oh, one of our ambassadors. So both of our ambassadors, come on guys, yeah. Annie up nation. You got to kick these ambassadors. Yeah. Out. Todd Lemansky knocked me out. We won't talk about what a suck out it was, but whatever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Um, but no, seriously, thank you to everyone that played in the Patreon game. That was so much fun. And I had a couple of people actually I had two people reach out to me today to say thank you for putting that together. So that's really fantastic. Nice. And I, um, I really enjoyed the platform we were using. We could turn on our video and our audio so you can still have table talk at the table, which, right. you know, I always enjoy. And Bob Popper's really good at throwing things in the, during the game. He kept throwing like tomatoes and eggs and all, he oh, has all these his... things <laughs> that he could throw virtually at me or tissue boxes if I, you know, a 
was sad I lost a, a hand or something. It was really yeah. fun. So it, it's pretty, it's really interactive and it's a private room for just Patreon members to be there. We're going to work on the time. I know the time that we set that up West Coast, it was a little early. So we need. Yeah, it was my intention. My intention was to not interfere with like dinner time or anything like that. But I made it really hard for people to get in, you know, after work and things like that. So yeah. definitely I will work on the time for the next one. And speaking of the next one, I mean, if you if you guys want to play in the next one, just go to patreon.com slash Annie at poker and you spell Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So patreon.com slash poker. I mean, I'll leave a link in the podcast description too, but Great. yeah, go there, sign up for the raise level, the $10 level. And I mean, it's worth it. We, we gave away a $50 Amazon gift card in this one and, and a hoodie. I mean, that's close to $80 were in prizes just for that one game. And then also you guys get behind the scenes, looks at things that we're doing. We also will give you access to a chat forum to have conversations with us. We release who's going to be in the magazine early. So you have an opportunity to let us know what you would like to hear and what we can ask when we're interviewing those folks. So in addition to the poker game, lots of really great stuff. Yeah. And I mean, we gave away just randomly, we gave away some prizes. So we'll do that from time to time too. So yeah, it's fun. um, Just yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I think maybe on Patreon there, you should give your your official apology to the sphere. <laughs> <laughs> you have been you have been talking about this thing being creepy for so long. Yes, and it, you know what it boils down to? And I should know better. I didn't do my research, guys. I really had no idea that this was a concert hall. Remember me jokingly saying I think they could use it for something better, like broadcasting a concert? I had no idea that there was capability of hosting events inside of this. U2 has a whole residency there. And after their first concert last week, every show is sold out through their entire residency. And I understand why now, because it is phenomenal. It's IMAX on steroids. Remember when the IMAX yeah. came out? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You're it right. is going to, it's next level forward thinking. Yes. I owe it an apology The I and the emoji were not interesting to me, but going to a concert inside this sphere is absolutely fascinating. And yeah. I cannot wait until we know the next time we're going to be in Vegas. Cause I don't need, I don't even care if I just go to walk around it. I want to go. Everybody wanted to be at this thing. Like the grand opening was actually last Friday and Oprah was there. LeBron was there. Really? Matt Damon. Um, Snoop Dogg was there. Where's Snoop <laughs> was there. That's right up his alley. I mean, he had one of the best was, halftime shows ever. He's into modern true. forward. Thinking. Was it? Wasn't Dr. Dre part of that too? I believe so, yes. And he was there as well. Awesome. Uh, Paul McCartney was there. So, I mean, just the it was a packed house of celebrities. So that's cool. Well, but, I'm just fascinated with it now. And yes, I do owe the sphere an apology, a big one. So publicly, yeah. I'm sorry to the sphere. I am now intrigued and captivated by you. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you even follow them on Facebook, don't you? I do. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know who's going to be there. If we're going to be headed out that way, I want to know in advance. Yeah. You know, they always like to announce those things. So, well, I think I've got to run. I've got to get into this interview. Okay. And um, I appreciate you joining me again this week. It's always a pleasure to be around the table with you, Joe. And we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. I am joined with Gareth James and Byron Jacobs. Gareth is a professional poker player and coach, also a scoop champion, I believe. And Byron Jacobs, co-owner of DMB Poker. He's written for Card Player. And I'm so glad that you guys are here to talk about this new book by Gareth called The Final Table. I'm almost done reading it. It is, it's a phenomenal book. It really goes into some great detail on why decisions are what they are at the final table. But welcome, guys. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> so my first question for all guests is always, how you running? So Gareth, <laughs> I will, we'll start with you. I'm running really well because I just had a baby seven weeks ago, so that's uh, pretty exciting. So it doesn't that, get it doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, how are you running? Uh, I'm running good, thank you. I had a couple of babies too, but it was like 25 years ago. So <laughs> I'm kind of used to it now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know if you're implying in poker terms or whatever. I'm a, a, a very casual poker player these days. I used to play more seriously, but in, in business terms, do is doing well we're very happy uh sales are strong so yeah you could say we're running good yeah and that's that's what the question's really meant for is just how you run in in general you know if you're really excited about the way you're playing poker then then that's what you talk about and if it's just in life in general then that's what you talk about as well so let's get into this book just a little bit gareth when i was doing a little bit of research i i, I noticed that you used to be a music teacher right that's right. Yeah. So do you see some similarities there in the patterns and um, your decision making and stuff from music? Uh, well, certainly got a passion for both music and poker. Uh, but when it comes to, well, actually, and the third thing, which is teaching. So I think there's a yeah. lot of crossover between teaching music and teaching poker when it comes to you know setting up sort of training programs for, for learning an instrument or learning music in general. It's very, I've seen, you know, it's very similar to getting really good at poker. Um, you know, this, this whole idea of like 10,000 hours, uh, it's been talked about a lot by Kay Anders Ericsson and uh, Malcolm Gladwell, right. you know, it's uh, 10,000 hours, you know, maybe we don't have 10,000 hours to train poker or, you know, it would take a long time to, uh, to do that. But it's the same, you know, similar thing within, within music. Um, but really it's about sort of the dedicated and focused approach. So there's definitely a big crossover from getting really good at playing an instrument to getting really good at uh, playing poker. So the practice side of it is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you host a podcast yourself, right? That's right, yeah. Poker on the Mind, is that right? Poker on the Mind, yeah, yeah. yeah with Dr. Trisha Cardner. Yeah. And tell I haven't had a chance to listen. Tell me a little bit about that podcast. So that uh, just came... Trisha and I met um, quite a few years ago. I, I ended up messaging, on, messaging her on Twitter. We were both uh, coaches for a company called Red Chip Poker at the time. And I was struggling on, I was on a downswing, first sort of uh, big downswing. And so I messaged her for some help and support. And uh, a few months later, we were both in Vegas. So we met up and um, she was just wrapping up a podcast that she used to do. And I had, didn't have a podcast at this stage. So I said, well, you know, let's, let's put one together. I've, I've always been fascinated by mindset and the psychology of poker. 
Um, and she's a you know she's a tournament poker player herself, so it was great to be able to join that. And so the you know we've now recorded about 178 episodes. Uh, looking at tournament poker strategy and uh, peak poker performance. Nice. Does it come out weekly or monthly or? How- so we we were getting uh, an episode out each week, uh, but then Trisha went to the World Series, and then yeah, we we had a baby, so uh, <laughs> it's not as uh, it's not as easy at the moment. It's, it's coming out every couple of weeks at the moment, but we do tend to take some some you know somewhat brief hiatuses to. Uh, take stock and, and then come back again. But uh, we are recording again this week. So I think for the foreseeable future, it'll be every couple of weeks, just as I get used to uh, having a having a baby. Yeah. So it's Poker on the Mind for everybody if you want to check that out. And then Byron, with you, you said you're more of a casual player now, but you used to play quite a bit. So, uh, you know, we, we mentioned you used to write for Card Player. Uh, where else did you have your penmanship published? I written for various blogs and things and also i've written i've written um four books that we've published as dnb poker uh i haven't written anything for a long time now this was like when limit holdem was uh you know back in the 2000s when limit holdem was the game when everyone was playing that um my initial expertise is from chess i was a very strong chess player yes. as a kid and um as with many of my contemporaries um we kind of got interested in poker when it came, came online you know around like 2001 2002 2003 and the skills uh, that that you have in chess, they are in some ways quite transferable to poker. So it's not so surprising that people who have the mindset to play chess uh, effectively can transition to poker. And especially as Gareth was mentioning earlier, the whole thing about learning, um, you know, how you accumulate a skill, that's that's definitely transferable because there's the same kind of like repetitive learn- recognition of patterns and stuff like that. I find there's quite a crossover. Right. Between- Obviously, the, the fundamentals are completely different and you have to you know, learn some different fundamentals before you can move on. But once you've done that, I think the, you know, the kind of, the, the kind of problem solving pattern recognition kind of mental mindset is, is very transferable between the two games. So, yeah, so I, I was playing quite a lot in the 2000s um, because although I wasn't particularly good, there was a lot of kind of dead money around. There were a lot of people with a lot of money who were playing who, who, who were useless, <laughs> frankly. So, you know, even a, a semi-competent person you could you could you could win quite quite decent money but it, for me the kind of the the, the you know that the music stopped in about 2010 2011 um a lot of schools had started up people had obviously got better they they kind of knew which hand to play and had but and I, I i found i didn't really have much of an edge anymore if, if anything at all and you know i was busy with the businesses and running the business you know the business and i didn't want to waste like 50 hours a week trying to improve my poker um so you know but we've um settled into publishing with quite a regular publishing schedule and that's been going well for quite some time now yeah and you guys have published quite a few poker books and uh uh, i know you know final table being just one and and gareth you've got another book there which you've got your first book which you talked about that being kind of a, a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. when was that published? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Byron might have to help me out here. I think it was the 2018. I remember talking to Trisha about doing the book. We haven't been out to Vegas for COVID reasons uh, uh, since the last time we went was 2019. And I'm pretty sure the book was out the year before. I think I spoke to, I think I, I, I had the idea for the book. So I'd, I'd read um, Peak by Anders Ericsson 
which I was fascinated by, completely fascinated by that book. And I thought it was transferable to poker. And Tricia was the natural person to approach because she'd written for us anyway. And she wanted to rope you in as the guy to help her on this book. And so, you know, it, it, it all got going like that. Uh, it was called Purposeful Practice. Purposeful Practice for Poker. That was written with the one that you're doing with the podcast with, Tricia Cartner. That's right, yeah. So this one now focuses on the final table, but kind of walk me through the previous book and tell me, you know, what's the focus there? Sure, yeah. So as uh, as Byron mentioned, uh, it's uh, v- very you know, influenced by Anders Ericsson, who was um, sort of a pioneer of this idea of deliberate and purposeful practice, which is making sure that your study and practice is focused and specific rather than being, you know, just kind of, oh, I'll just watch a training video or I'll listen to a podcast or let's review some hands. Being really uh, sort of systematic, focused and specific with what you're actually trying to to learn. Um, so uh, that's what the book is about. It's about setting, you know, setting yourself up for success. And and we felt that there wasn't really, there's not really a book in the industry that that looks at, you know, the strategy of how to how to learn. There's a lot of strategy books, a lot of great strategy books, but we wanted to make something that was timeless. You know, you, you're always going to have to learn. Yes, there'll be new ideas about how to learn, but new strategies come in, and sometimes strategy books can, you know, become outdated fairly fast. But then, you know, we wanted to to say like the strategy of learning is something that will be, you know. We, we can teach you and you'll need for forever. So that was the, that was the idea, you know, giving you a, a book that you can can learn from in order to set yourself up for success when it comes to study and training. I love that. I'll have to check that one out too. But fast forward now to this one where you're writing on your own. So final table, the beginning part especially focuses a lot on the ICM and bubble strategy, things like that. I really enjoyed the examples. Like I said, you give a lot of the mathematical reasons why these decisions make sense. And so tell me why this is different than, say, you know, your previous book and how you would like for people to apply what you're teaching here. Sure. So, I mean, this is, as I mentioned, like, before this is actually a strategy book. This is, uh, you know, for how, how to get better at playing final tables. And you said there about you know mathematical examples. I use a lot of solvers. I, I ran hundreds, hundreds of, of simulations for for this book uh, because I didn't want it to go out of date. You know, I could give you ideas about the meta or the exploits that you could make in current fields, but actually players are getting better, and we need a baseline. You know, the solvers give you the baseline, and then you can deviate from there. So that's what that's the approach I wanted to go, and I want it to be evergreen, so that in twenty years' time you can still pick up this book and say, "Oh wow, yeah, that's actually this." You know, the solvers haven't changed. I, I would be surprised if if anything had changed within Solverland when it comes to final table strategy, but you know, you never know. And so you can still you know still learn from it. But the key thing is that I didn't just go, "Here's a solver solution. Try and memorize that," because that's not <laughs> a good way to learn. I wanted to be able to say, "Here's the solver solution. Here's the why." Here's me explaining about, you know, why you would do this. Uh, And also, like, here's some deviations that you might want to think about against different player types. You have the logical, mathematical reasoning. And like you said, you can deviate from that based on, you know, other factors at the table because there's always, you know, there's so many different factors that that go into a decision. But when you anticipate, you know, someone reading this and taking that information, how do you foresee them being able to use that from there? The way I've set it up to be sort of, you know, lots of players left to six, uh, five to seven players left, then short, shorter handed, then heads up. You'd be able to take sort of certain ideas and concepts straight away. But also I'm, I'm, uh, I put it in the book. It's like, you know, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But my job right. is to you know make you thirsty for, for more. 
So I've given you loads of different examples in the book to learn lots of different spots, loads of things that will come up you know, time and time again on final tables. But then that hopefully should motivate you, encourage you to put your own work in so that you're thinking, okay, well, I've got this final table. I need to review it. I plug it into the solver. I'm going to you know, make some adjustments based on how I think players are playing. And then you know, go from there and start studying it in that way. So I think you know, it's, it, you can just read the book and I think you will just you will improve just by sort of learning the concepts, going through it, making notes, things like that. But I think you're going to get the most out of it by starting to apply the, the teachings and the ideas in your own study. So then you can apply that uh, when you play. Right. One of the things that, and, I, and like I said, I haven't gotten to this part yet, but I did kind of skip forward a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just just for this, I uh, I do like the idea that you have the section in there at the end about continually improving yeah. because uh, like you said, you can go through and there's like hundreds of examples mm-hmm. in there. You can go through those and you're, you're going to improve, but the path is really continuous improvement, right? So even when you're, even when you win, even when you take down first place, there's still hands to improve with. And oh yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that you didn't just have the mentality of, okay, great. You're going to kill it now, <laughs> which like you said, you will improve, but there's always, there's a, a pattern for continuous improvement. So yep. kudos on that. Cheers. One of the things I think is interesting about this book is we've done over the last, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years, we've done about 45, 50 poker books. I don't remember the exact number. But if you take, I mean, and a lot of them are by very good players and they're very good books with, you know, excellent information in them. And if you, poker, as we know, is all about EV. It's about expected right. value, you know, trying to maximize expected value in all situations. So if you look at our book collection in terms mm-hmm. of EV that you can gain, it's quite interesting because there's, there's quite a lot of our very, very good books but i think you can gain a fair amount of ev from understanding all the concepts and working through them but gareth's book i I think this just like skyrockets the amount of ev you can gain from this book for two reasons first of all when you're at the final table you're usually playing for like you know maybe 10 100 times as much money as you might normally be doing so so any mistake you make or any accurate play that you make that exploits a mistake from an opponent is going to be magnified hugely. So instead of gaining you $10, it could gain you $1,000 or something. Right. And secondly, as as we know, and as you'll know from reading the book, a lot of the decisions that you take at a final table are extremely counterintuitive. So unless you've actually studied it and studied it well and committed the, the concepts to memory, if you're just trying to play on instinct, you're, you're going to you know trip over yourself quite often. So you know, combining that with the fact that you're playing for much bigger stakes than you might normally doing so, and the fact that you can't just simply sort of cruise on autopilot and, and expect to, to make accurate decisions all the time. This book generates EV that may even be in excess of all the other books that we, we have out there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, a lot of the other books can help you get to the final table, and then this one kind of help you compete at the final table. So that's a very good point. A lot of the other books, and I've, I've read a couple of them, but uh, there's a whole different strategy that goes into the final table. So this is an important book for people, especially those that maybe don't play as many tournaments. So they're not as used to this, the pressures and the, they may, may they be, may be at a final table and have, either never been there before or not been there as often as others. So do you feel like if you go through this, this will help you be able to relax and really think things through because you have that strategy already? 
yeah, I think there's there's two there's two parts of uh, of poker strategy. One is like just learning the strategy, and one's like understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And I think on a final table, there are certain things that you have to be able to understand. Uh, you mentioned earlier about ICM, risk premium, things like that. But then being able to understand why you would you know do this over this, uh, why take one, one line over another, I think is really important. So as part of the book, I've talked about logical thought process, and I think. We, that's really what I'm trying to teach through all these these different examples. The overall goal is just to get you to think better, is to say like, you know, can you explain why you're doing what you're doing rather than, oh, I think I memorized a chart once and it said Queens was a jam. Um, that's not going to be that helpful next time you you haven't got Queens, you know. So you want to be able to to be able to think through every every hand and think logically. And so through the uh, hundreds of hands examples in the book, you're basically just hearing my thought process linked to what a solver would suggest and everything else you need to think about so that you know you improve over time and as you're working through you might finally get to the end of the book and then you leave it for a few months and you come back and you think okay yeah that's where my thought process is now as well rather than you know whereas at the start you might think oh wow that's my my thoughts are nowhere near what the author's now on near mine right now um so that yeah that's the idea just get to get you to think better because i am a firm believer that every poker spot can be solved with logic rather than a solver so, but it's about like, look, if you don't trust me on that, then here's the solver solution and here's here's the why. Tie those two things together, come up with really good, really solid decision-making and you're just going to do really well. Yeah, I would say the best poker players are using a mixture of those two. So yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. So Phil Helmuth wrote the foreword to this book. How did that, uh, how did that come about? Uh, Phil's written for us uh, before. He we published his autobiography, which was Poker Brat, as, as everyone knows, he's known as the Brat right. Poker Brat. So we published his autobiography, I think, back in two thousand and seventeen, eighteen, something like that. Um, and we had a good relationship with him, working on that book, and he was very happy to do it. So there's no problem there. Well, what about where people can get it? How is someone going to get the final table? Obviously, if you want it, you can go to our site, dmbpoker.com, and you can buy it from us, which we'd be very happy, obviously, if you bought it from us. But you can also get it from all the usual channels that uh, I don't think I need to name them one at a time, but all the standard places where you would buy books, buy online product. There's obviously an EPUB version as well. So, you know, if you prefer reading your books electronically, then you can you can get the EPUB version. Uh, again, you can get that from our site, so we'd be delighted if you did come to our site and get it. Um, but it's just all the usual sales channels um, you can get it from. And your site, again, is dnbpoker.com. The and is spelled out, so it's dandpoker.com. We really covered a lot today, but are there any closing thoughts or ideas that you wanted to throw out there before we wrap things up? I just think I just wanted to push that continuous improvement idea again. It is the last chapter in the book. Um, and I think, you know, you've gone through all the hand examples and now it's a case of, okay, well, what do you need to do to actually apply this to your own study rather than to your own game because you're missing out the bit in the middle. So there's you know, lots of ideas there about how you might want to approach it from a, uh, from a learning study perspective as well. Yeah, I think this aspect could be very much underestimated by people who are trying to improve their poker because there are, if, if say someone says, right, I'm going to devote, 10 hours a week for my study time they might spend i don't know 10 hours a week just watching videos or something and 
you know, what are they going to gain from that? It's not, it's not focused enough. It's not, it's not working on a specific point. It's not, it's not, they're not studying at the edge of their uh, comfort zone to try and push themselves a little bit. They're just kind of like absorbing, you know, like 10 hours of video or, or whatever from a training site or something like that. And having some kind of mechanism to specifically work on aspects of your game that are going to translate into real-time improvements on the table, I think is extremely valuable. And obviously we touched on it earlier, Gareth's previous book with Tricia deals with this in some depth but as Gareth said it's also um it's also woven in a little bit to this book so I think I think there's a, a lot of very useful in, information and material there that will that will actually increase people's bottom line if they if they follow the, the precepts and I think that makes a lot of sense guys I really appreciate you joining me and I would highly recommend you guys getting this book it is filled with examples and reasoning as to why certain decisions make sense. It's a great read. It's an easy read, and it will completely change your game. Again, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having us on the on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for such uh, great words about the book. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule in situations that come up in your games. And he's with me again this week. Elliot, how are you? Oh, very well. Enjoying our last bit of summer <laughs> before we get our deep freeze this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have definitely had some cooler evenings for sure. And I, I don't know how I feel about it. I did not get a chance to enjoy the summer as much as I wanted to. So sad to see it go, but... Well, it was all for the good cause of poker, so it was yeah. all, all really good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this week we have uh, a call the floor sent in by Greg Ajamian. Aj did, I do, did I do all right with that? Yes, that, was, <laughs> that sounds like exactly it. I've been really lucky with getting names that have not been super hard to pronounce, but this is my first test really. So honestly, a lot of vowels in there. Yeah. <laughs> he sent in this one. He's playing in his home game tournament and it sounds like he's the one running this one because he gets, uh, he has to make the call in this situation and wants to get some clarification on how he should have handled it. Lord's work, right? Yeah. So on the flop player, a bets and player B calls. Then on the turn, player A bets again, player B goes all in, but player A then asks how much, and it turns out he has player B covered. Player B misheard and thinks he won the pot, so he mucks his hand, and it's irretrievable and unrecognizable. So Greg is called over, and he says, believing a player cannot be knocked out on a technicality and clarifies that this may or may not be true. I allow player B to take back his all-in and award the pot to player A. Is this right, wrong, or how should it be handled differently? Well, uh, this is a good one here. Greg, I appreciate you helping out these folks in their, in their home tournaments. If you're hosting, well, God bless you. This is a little more cut and dried than, than you might, have, might think. Uh, this is not a technicality here. A uh, technicality would be uh, if a third party or the dealer or another player intervened and, and managed to make this guy's hand dead. 
unidentifiable and irretrievable. Now, that was not the case. The action went in order. The opposing player, player A, asked how much the bet was, which is quite reasonable considering it was an all-in bet after uh, they had bet and called uh, the previous round and he had bet out this round. Player B got rid of his cards on his own. We were on the turn, not the river, so it wasn't a surrender. <laughs> the dealer was definitely not pushing the pot at this point or getting the board ready to be mucked. There's nothing technical here. <laughs> uh, player B bet, player A didn't have a, a chip in the pot. Uh, the correct the correct move at this point is generally take the pot away. In situations where the dealer collects the cards or somebody else uh, mucks the hand, uh, you're generally going to give the player who lost their hand before uh, showdown or the bet was settled, you're going to give them the raise back while losing the actual initial bet. But nobody told him to do anything other than, hold on, we're still on this other player. The other player had yet to act. What's to stop the other player from calling? Now that you don't have cards, he's certainly going to call. But nobody took your cards away. Player B, you released your cards for no apparent reason. If it was too loud and you couldn't hear, all you had to do was ask what's happening. <laughs> Has he acted yet? Has he called? Has he folded? I'm not inclined to give B back everything. He certainly can't have his call back. If I were merciful, I would certainly give him his raise back. But he didn't protect his hand. He didn't pay attention. Those are the two main obligations every player has. He fulfilled neither. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> Taking all the chips away in this spot is, is not a crime. <laughs> and it's not a technicality. Right. Why he decided to get rid of his cards is on him. He misheard it. That's tough. I mean, we can't take it for granted that he misheard. How do we know he wasn't in a spot where he might have been bluffing and was afraid of getting called at that point and just all of a sudden put on a really good show? I mean, it, that's probably not what happened, but it's certainly uh, more than just a, a minute possibility. Right. We can't allow for that to happen. We can't allow people to game the system by things other than actual poker. And playing angles is not poker. Playing angles is basically a form of cheating. Right. This might not have been an angle shot, but the rule exists and the remedy exists to prevent anybody from shooting that angle. Yeah. And, you know, this goes back to, and I can't remember who sent in the, the hand before, but this goes back to a call the floor that we had early on where yes. you're not wanting to release those cards until that pot is being pushed your way. So ever. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's tough, but lesson learned, I would say for player B, but what I, I will say, what I do like about this is that Greg wants to make sure that he's making the best decision in this situation. Absolutely. He doesn't say anyone made a big fuss or, or anything like this. So this is really just Greg trying to improve the game. And I think that's really great. That's an excellent thing. Uh, which is why we have these rules. Everybody, when you go play chess against other people in other cities, the rules are the same. And I'm glad that we try to do that for poker too. And, and Greg, that's that's good on you. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's always better for the game. Absolutely, yeah. Player B, if you're listening, it's also better for the game when you pay attention. There you go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Greg, I appreciate you sending that in. It's a, It was a good one. And... Uh, uh, if anyone has a call the floor that they would like Elliot to say how he would rule, then send that to us at podcast at com. And Elliot, I appreciate you doing this with me again. We'll see you next week. Quite welcome. Glad to do it. Talk to you soon. 
Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. Back with another Hand of the Week. Patrick, you're joining me again. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you, sir? I am doing well. We have a sponsor this week for Hand of the Week. Let's go. It's brought to you by Jackpot Digital. And I got to tell you, the way this happened is I got an email about these uh, digital poker tables a while back, and I was intrigued. So I reached out. These tables are fascinating. I mean, they're the future of the game, for sure. And I wanted to share that with everyone. So it actually turned into an article in the magazine, and I honestly kind of started, you know, we started talking and I became kind of a mouthpiece for them because I really do think that these tables bring some things to the game, bring things to the table, so to speak. Oh, I like that. I like that little (laughs) ding. Very nice. (laughs) That, that, That actually hasn't been available before. So you can do different prop bets on the table. So yeah, like different settings. Yeah. that we. So you can say, uh, I think it's going to be an all heart board and you can bet on that. And it, if it is, then you win. You can also play other games. So if you're not in a hand and you want to play a hand of blackjack against the house, then by all means, bring it up. Play some blackjack. That it is awesome. I, you know, when you brought it up to me and we just looked at it, I mean, I was like, what in the world? How, you know, how, what, why? Kind of every, every emotion question out there. <laughs> and then literally seeing their video was unreal. I mean, that's just awesome. It was funny. Like you, I was telling you, I'm like, wait a minute. How does everyone else not see the cards and the technology to do the hands? I mean, you covered up like a normal poker game and poker hand. And then the cards pop up. I mean, the thing was incredible. Yeah. I will, I'll definitely give you that one. It was, it was really it was, cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So I would, I would encourage everyone to go check them out at jackpotdigital.com. And I'm telling you, these are going to end up in your casinos. So get used to them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great way, A, to, to move the game and, you know, for, you know, different access for players. But think about the money that casinos are going to save with different tables. I mean, you can do just one of those tables could have every different kind of game and they could just alternate it whatever they want to. And, so you know, so many long wait lists at poker rooms have been going on right now because they can't find dealers. The game's growing. So this eliminates that waiting list. You just jump over on that. Jackpot Digital, Jackpot Blitz is the name of their table. So, so yeah, check them out. Jackpotdigital.com. Just it'll blow your mind. But uh, let's let's get into this hand because it's okay. So it's sent in by Amaya Whitney. All right. But the subject of the email was, did I play this wrong? <laughs> so I'm excited to get into this. <laughs> Amaya, welcome to the club of questioning, did I play it wrong? I don't know what level <laughs> of poker player you're at, but I can tell you I've asked that a many, many, many times. So, all right, well, let's get into it. What does she have to say? <laughs> she says she's playing at her local card room. She's playing one, two. There's a max buy-in of $300. She has seven players at her table. I love this setup here. Seven players at the table and... We are in the cutoff with 225 in our stack. Okay. Um, just sounds like as a typical 1-2 game, <laughs> there are five limpers in the hand <laughs> before the hijack raises to $45. Okay. 
action is now on us with the Ace of Hearts, King of Hearts. Oh, well, let's go. <laughs> oh, see, now I'm even more intrigued, less confident when she said, did I play this wrong? Um, all right. <laughs> so limpers all the way around until hijack at 45. Yeah. Um, well, Joe, with Ace King suited and wanting controlling interest of this, I will be coming over the top. Okay. This will be interesting. How much are you going to go over the top? So you're going to have to explain it to me afterwards whether I'm right or wrong. But I, I'm thinking, A, I want to set the tone, but B, I also have to realize what's in my hand. So there's my kind of my thought process. I'm going to come over the top for 90. You're going to come over the top for 90. Yes. Okay. Maybe I'm just thinking this about this too much because of the subject of the of the <laughs> um, email. But honestly, I'm I I want to shove. I just want to put it all in right now. Oh no! Okay, it was a it was a brief thought. It was a brief thought. I definitely don't think ninety is enough. If you're gonna okay raise, you might you know you want to raise. So just min raising them is not enough for sure. I certainly don't want to be going five ways to a flop. So a call is out of the question. No, so definitely not. I, I, yeah, I think I, I just want to put it all in right now. We only have 225 in our stack. That's part of the problem. Because if you, let's just say for argument's sake, just for argument's sake, let's say you had five in your stack. What would you raise then? 200. <laughs> okay, that was, okay. So that, that's, that answers the question then is, okay, how much over the top in that situation, five lippers, one comes out with 45. Yeah, yeah you're, you're probably going, you know, at least three times three or four times is that that and then that's where you're at so that i guess that was kind of the problem that answers the question is okay well you know if i want to keep playing part of that hand with chips in hand then right. i'm in raise but that, that doesn't it doesn't accomplish what we were looking for so yeah you're absolutely right well what did our friend of mine do um looking here oh <laughs> amaya calls so so to answer your question, Amaya, yes, you played it wrong. That's the end of the hand of the week. And we. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Amaya and I are definitely both in the wrong here. Um, I cannot wait to see how this plays out because it cannot be good if it, it just can't. Amaya calls the 45. The button calls, small blind calls, and under the gun calls. Oh, gosh. So everyone else folds. So you've got you got button small under the gun hijack and us, so five ways. Five ways to the flop. Okay. Which is the four of hearts, seven of clubs, king of clubs, and it checks around to us. So if I'm doing the math right, the bet was forty five. So forty five times five is. Choose two twenty five plus the big blind, which was two. So two twenty seven. Is that right? Am I doing that math right? Yes. Yeah. We put in forty five, so we're down to one eighty. So it checks to us. One eighty. Yeah. yeah. We're all in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> top pair. I mean, if someone's sitting there on clubs, then you know that's you know I I don't know what's going to happen, but yes. Uh, we shove. Yeah, there's so many people in this hand. That's what bothers me. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a new term out at you, Patrick. Oh you gosh, 
SPR. That stands for stack to pot ratio. Ooh. All right. So okay. in this case, I, and I don't know, but I'm assuming we have the shortest stack. But essentially, with SPR, you take the effective stack and divide that by the pot size. So in this case, we started with 225 and we called the 45, right? Yeah. 180. So, and you're the numbers guy, so check me on this. But if we have 180 and we went five ways to the flop, which we said was 227, that gives us an SPR of like 0.7 or 0.8. 0. 0.8. 0.8. It's actually 0.79. I am the numbers guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the general rule of thumb is if you have an SPR of three or less, it's a shove. So keep that in mind. There's There's your new lesson. So... Yeah, all right. So we so we shove at one eighty. Please, did our mm. friend Amaya shove? Yes, no. Am- Amaya bet forty, forty dollars with top pair. Okay. Under the gun folds, and the hijack folds. So we still got the button and the small line. Now we're we're three players to the turn, counting ourselves, right? Three forty-seven in the pot. The turn is the two of hearts. There's another heart for us. It checks to us again. I mean, I hear... We're at 140. Shove. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but our chips should already be in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I think our friend should have shoved at this point. And if she hadn't, then she should definitely do it now. Yeah. If they have two pair of some sort or something that beats us, then so be it. But... We're losing no matter what. Just <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, but Amaya bet 40 again. Okay. Who calls? Uh, I bet 40 with the nut flush draw and top pair. The small blind is the only one that calls. Okay. We're heads up with the small blind to the river, which is the seven of hearts. So we now have the nut flush and we have a hundred left in our stack. Can we please shove? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've now let the board pair. So, um, the small blind checks to us again. So basically, what you should not be doing is betting forty dollars into three hundred plus <laughs> chip pot. But. Uh, Amaya says, although the small blind has been playing pretty nitty, I lead out for $50. (laughs) Okay. Leaving me $50 behind. The small blind immediately raises to put my last 50 in. I call and he shows pocket fours for the rivered full house. And this is where the cartoon goes, bum, bum, bum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let me give the novice point of view. Yes, you know, it, Amaya and I were kind of in the same boat to start with. I was going back and forth with the, as you talked about, a little bit of SPR, but, you know, a, a new term learned today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from the novice point of view, I saw what my chip count was, and your hand didn't matter to go into the pot. You should play. I mean, you, know, you have to take it into account, sure, you know, what's in your hand. Yes, in that instance, 
you don't need to leave any chips left over. You know, you have a great hand. So I have two thoughts. One, scared money, right? You can't play with scared money. You can't be afraid to lose your chips. I mean, I realize it's, it's your money. I get it. But you can't play that way. The idea is to win. And maybe it is one, two. So maybe they don't even fold the pocket fours, but you're giving yourself a chance to win pre-flop if you just put it in. Yeah. Maybe they get sticky with pocket fours. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But you can't, I mean, that's going to be the same result, right? You're you're still losing all your chips either way. Wouldn't you rather lose it that way? You're still giving even yourself if a they, chance. If in, correct. You're giving yourself a chance. There was a, there's a much, and again, this is Monday morning quarterback. It's literally what we do. But looking back on it, I'm sure that's what she was thinking along those lines is, okay, well, did I play it right or play it wrong in the sense of, okay, well, if I did shove right out the gate, maybe the fours do go away and, you know, it, you're good to go. So Yeah, the idea is to put yourself in the best position to win the hand. Yes. Period. The the other side to that, I want to go back to what Amaya said. Uh, she said, although the small blind has been playing pretty nitty, and I think that you're confusing the small blind playing nitty with them knowing you're going to be putting the money in for them. They don't have to. They played it by checking because you were betting. I'm not saying you shouldn't bet. That's not my point. Just to to think about your point there about saying that they're playing pretty nitty. I'm not sure that they're playing pretty nitty. I, and you may not be talking about this hand in particular, but I think you are. They're not. I don't think they're playing nitty. I think they're allowing you to put more money in the pot because if they bet, maybe you go away. Or if they come over the top, maybe you go away rather than just keep putting that money in there. They've got a set of fours. They feel pretty confident. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that they were playing nitty. I think they were allowing you to do the work for them. <laughs> no, not to bring in another sport here, and this is going way back machine, but I'm pretty sure it was in the original Mighty Ducks movie. Emilio Estevez, the Gordon Bombay coach, said make him make the first move hmm. because the guy that makes the first move loses. Okay, I'm done with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You went deep with that one, though. I got to tell you, great movie. Yes, I went very deep with that one. But it stands true. It is true, yes. Whoever whoever moves first loses necessarily. Um, well, that was a good one. Yeah, that, um, that was a tough beat. But yes, it's you know live and learn. Yeah, thank you, Amaya, for sending that in. And if anyone else has a hand of the week they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at com. Patrick, I appreciate you doing this again with me. And uh, absolutely, we'll see you what tomorrow tomorrow or? for the Patreon game. Yeah, uh, just because we're recording this on Tuesday. <laughs> we are. Yes, we are <laughs> that's right. So if we're listening, if you listen to this, it was actually three days ago. The day two days, two, two days, two days ago. ago. Yeah, two, yeah. D- two days ago. OK, well, that'll put your mind in a <laughs> All right. All right. I, I gotta right. go, Joe. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. It's time for Joe's One Outer. Do you listen to music at the tables? 
I mean, I've never been a headphones guy. I enjoy the social aspect of poker too much. But there are a lot of practical benefits for poker players that listen to music at the tables. Let's face it, casinos are loud. And the poker room has so many people shuffling chips and talking amongst each other that music can help block out those distractions and help you concentrate during a long poker session. We've talked about this a lot on here, but poker can be emotionally intense too. You'll experience a wide range of feelings in a relatively short time. Anxiety, excitement, frustration. Music can kind of regulate that to some degree. It can help you stay calm when emotions run high, which will generally lead to better decision making. A poker session can also seem pretty long if you're card dead for a while and you just seem to be folding every hand. Some upbeat or motivational music can help you stay alert and continue to play your game instead of getting frustrated because you haven't seen a face card in about 45 minutes. <laughs> like I said, I enjoy the social aspect of poker too much, so I don't take headphones to the table. But I do like to listen to music to put me in the right mindset before a poker game. I may not be in the right mood to sit for a long time and play cards. Sometimes I may be too ramped up. And if I go into the game that way, I'm definitely going to play a lot of hands that I shouldn't. Or maybe my mind's on other things that happened in my day. And music can help snap me back into poker mode. All of that said, though, if you're listening to music, be considerate, pay attention, and don't slow the game down. There's nothing worse than that person at the table with the big headphones that never realizes where the action is. Music or no music, don't be that person. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.